Well, welcome to the Pharmacotherapy Podcast. My name is Terry Seaton, and I am the immediate past president of ACCP. I'm the professor at St. Louis College of Pharmacy in St. Louis, Missouri. And as president, the Board of Regents and I charged the 2016 ACCP Certification Affairs Committee with the task of updating the clinical pharmacist competency statements published by the college in 2008. Dr. Joseph Sassin chaired the committee and spearheaded its work and is joining us today from the University of Colorado. Welcome, Joe, and thank you so much for your important work that you've done. Well, thank you, Terry. I appreciate the opportunity to chat. Sure. Well, to begin our podcast, will you share with our listeners the key changes that occurred between 2008 and 2016 that necessitated the updated definition of the clinical pharmacist competencies? Absolutely. That seems like a pretty short period of time, only eight years, but what we've observed is over the past eight years, a lot of things have happened that have influenced the practice of clinical pharmacy. First, there's very much an increased emphasis on the team-based approach to delivering healthcare across the United States with a very purposeful focus on providing patient-centered care. Even though these um, philosophies were instilled earlier, I think they're more prevalent now over the past eight years based on how healthcare needs have changed and how we're positioned as clinical pharmacists to be a part of that team. There's also been a pretty um, pervasive adoption of comprehensive medication management by healthcare providers, whether that be payers or organizations, as really the optimal means by which we as clinical pharmacists address the medication optimization process, not just simply evaluating a medication, but really providing that comprehensive medication management. That's the space that we need to be in, and it's very clear over the past eight years that that's where we've gotten. Also, I think at one point in time, not all states had collaborative drug therapy management as a pathway for pharmacists to provide direct patient care, and now nearly all states have expanded scopes of practice for clinical pharmacists and collaborative practice agreements between pharmacists and providers to allow us to work at the top of our license. I guess lastly, there's also this recognition that clinical pharmacy competencies, such as the one that was first crafted in 2008 and now the updated version, that they really should be integrated with other health professions so that we can really carve out and identify what our role is in direct patient care and what our responsibilities are as a member of that team-based care. Well, that's wonderful background, uh, and thank you for that context. And Joe, ACCP has maintained a consistent definition of clinical pharmacy for many, many years. What is that definition? Well, we use that definition, and when I graduated from pharmacy school, you couldn't find an exact definition. Now, I think it's simple. If you Google it, you will find ACCP's definition, which is that clinical pharmacy is defined as that area of pharmacy that's concerned with the science and practice of rational medication use. Going a little further, it's also described or defined as a health discipline or a health science discipline in which pharmacists provide patient care that optimizes medication therapy and promotes health, wellness, and disease prevention. Overall, it embraces caring for patients in all practice settings, not just hospitals, not just clinics, but all practice settings, and blends this with specialized therapeutic knowledge, experience, and judgment for the purpose of achieving medication optimization, which we now may float in comprehensive medication management as sort of the duty that's aligned with the definition of clinical pharmacy. 
Well, that's good because, you know, the words matter and that, you know, I think uh, there are many words that we use in healthcare and in, in pharmacy and in particularly clinical pharmacy that tend to be, um, you know, misunderstood and uh, uh, defined differently in different contexts. So moving on, uh, Dr. Sassine, are there prerequisite clinical knowledge and experience domains that a clinical pharmacist should possess in order to achieve the competencies that you've articulated in your paper? Yes, absolutely. And I guess, you know, if you think about a new medical school graduate, you would really not expect them to be ready to provide independent patient care. They're still under some supervision throughout their residency training. Um, similar to that or akin to that, we really can't expect pharmacy graduates to be immediately prepared and ready to render appropriate direct patient care in an interprofessional and team-based environment. So if you think back at these changes that have happened over the past eight years, which really have increased our responsibility, which is captured in comprehensive medication management, there are um, other prerequisite clinical knowledge and experiences that should be part of a competent clinical pharmacist, and we've set forth some of this in our paper. Okay, good. And, and how are the knowledge and experience usually acquired by clinical pharmacists? So I think I can give you my opinion, which is aligned with ACCP's opinion. And we know that our PharmD program has standards, and they are high-level standards. But I think they don't go far enough to preparing our graduates to be 100% independent and highly proficient in delivering patient care. So really the way to capture and, and get these knowledge and experiences that are needed for a highly proficient and competent clinical pharmacist is not just obtaining a PharmD degree, but also the completion of postgraduate residency training, whether that be at least one year of training and perhaps even two depending on the area that the person may practice in. But importantly, that should be dovetailed with becoming or achieving board certification through the Board of Pharmacy Specialties. And we're very fortunate that there are several specialties and they seem to be growing to allow an opportunity for every pharmacist, every clinical pharmacist, depending on where they're practicing, to have some pathway to achieve board certification. Um, now, and we know that this is the way to instill that knowledge, but most importantly, to get that repetition and that practice where clinical pharmacists can not only use their knowledge, but practice their knowledge, and most importantly, in an environment that's involved, evolved over the past eight years that really is team-based, interprofessional, with a very clear focus on accepting responsibility, being patient-centered, and ultimately providing comprehensive medication management. That's good. And, you know, I think the term that we hear used frequently is practice-ready. And uh, particularly with the regard to uh, graduates of PharmD schools. Um, and what we're talking about is the provision of direct patient care, which is above and beyond, uh, you know, routine, uh, common pharmacy practice. Is that correct? That is correct. And I think, um, I, I think being a lifetime academician as I am, it's in my blood to really agree that we prepare students to start practicing pharmacy, but there's so many different levels of pharmacy practice that require different skills and abilities. And absolutely, pharmacists are practice ready to do certain um, 
components of what a pharmacist does, a licensed pharmacist. But when you think about the full scope of a clinical pharmacist that is providing direct patient care, and most importantly, comprehensive medication management. And those words are very specific. Comprehensive is more than just the minimum standard. And medication management really is, you know, um, accepting responsibility for the entire process. I think that um, we really do need, despite some difference of opinions, really need those additional layers of not only knowledge building, but skill repetition. Um, in a supervised environment where there's feedback provided to really instill this to the level that's competent and then striving towards proficient. Okay, that's good. So to summarize, clinical pharmacists are individuals who can provide direct patient care that optimizes medication therapy. But tell us how your committee broke down this overall or composite role into individual core competencies. Well, we actually went through a pretty um, lengthy process of evaluating the 2008 paper, which was good, especially at that time, but because of the changes, we needed to provide some updating. But we wanted to be very sensitive to creating a list of competencies that could be understood in a broader audience. And that broader audience does include our other healthcare professionals. And our competencies that we've outlined, the six that we have, really align with ACGME, which is the Accreditation Council for Graduate Medical Education. And this is very important because that's sort of the universal language for a lot of health payers and health professionals to identify competent practitioners. And as clinical pharmacists, we want to be in that space. So providing that alignment was very purposeful and very needed. To get into some of the um, guts of the paper, I encourage everybody to, to go to it and look at it, and there's um, a pretty detailed table one, which is called Description of Clinical Pharmacist Competencies, and it outlines the six. So the first is direct patient care, which is the most important, since if you think about what's evolved over the past eight years, since 2008, that focus on providing patient-centered care is important. So this first competency is related to that provision of direct patient care. Everything from assessing patients to developing therapeutic plans to applying knowledge, um, both, both from a therapeutic standpoint, but also in perspective of being able to work in that team environment. The second one is knowledge-based, and we called it pharmacotherapy knowledge. Of course, we want to be the, the masters of this domain since we are in, you know, encouraging clinical pharmacists to become board certified, one of those board certifications, of which is the earliest to be eligible for is board certification as a pharmacotherapy specialist. So having that pharmacotherapy knowledge, which can be verified through board certification, especially through BCPS, the one that targets um, pharmacotherapy, is the second large competency domain. The third one that we came up with is a little bit different. It's system-based care and population health. This domain was there previously, but we tried to evolve it over what was changing over the past eight or so years. And that really was that recognition of population health being the future. I personally think that population health is a very large opportunity for clinical pharmacists to provide comprehensive uh, medication management, and so it's part of that systems-based and population health third competency domain. 
The fourth one that we had is a carryover, but is extremely important. It, it sort of dovetails with direct patient care, but the fourth one is communication. And this is expecting that clinical pharmacists be competent at communicating both with patients and caregivers, but also other health professionals and stakeholders. And this encompasses many forms of communication, including both verbal and written communication. The fifth one that we have is professionalism, and it's really um, assuring that clinical pharmacists, as one of their competencies, is upholding high standards and serving as role models. This is one that we felt very um, strongly about, that we wanted professionalism to have in its defined elements of that competency to really call out that clinical pharmacists should serve as credible role models and leaders for students, trainees, and other colleagues. I think this is something that is well adapted in the medical culture, and it's something within pharmacy sort of to assure that our profession evolves as it should in an appropriate manner. We need to not only lay out this expectation, but really embrace it. And then the last one that we had is we want people to keep up their competency, so we call the sixth competency domain, continuing professional development, which is really a commitment to excellence and a commitment to lifelong learning, maintaining your certification, and always recognizing that most of what we learn in our formal training program becomes antiquated over a period of years. So embracing our responsibility for always um, practicing at the top of our ability. You know, that's great, and I have to tell you personally uh, and, and share with you that the Board of Regents also uh, consistently uh, appreciates how you use the ACGME as a template, but then we're able to modify it and adapt it to pharmacy practice, and, and uh, I just think it was beautifully done. I can't imagine how much time and, and energy that you put into doing that, but because uh, really, it's, it, it's really an elegant document. And you know, Terry, that was pretty purposeful because we didn't want to just um, have the same identical competencies as a physician because we are not physicians, but we complement and work together. If you remember the changes that we talked about over the past eight years, really it was that team approach. So we really wanted to align for recognition, but also make it specific for the clinical pharmacist. And we hope that we've accomplished that. Well, that's just super. So the guideline concludes that, and, and I'll quote, ACCP's goal is to ensure that clinical pharmacists possess the core competencies necessary to contribute meaningfully to the optimal use of medications. Commitment by individual clinical pharmacists, postgraduate training programs, and healthcare institutions or organizations to achieving and maintaining these competencies will be necessary to attain this goal." Unquote. So how close do you think we really are to uh, attaining this goal? That's a wonderful question, and you know, um, I'm, I'm trying to be very optimistic. I think every year we get closer and closer to this goal, and I am optimistic with the changes in the pharmacy degree, uh, education accreditation standards and the programs, they, they evolve, they always layer in new expectations, so our, our, our graduates are beginning, being more and more prepared in certain areas that are evolving. We've also had a great expansion in clinical training through residency training programs, significant expansion there, and also in the verification of knowledge through board certification. These sort of have exploded and paved the way for us to ultimately achieve this goal in the near future. Um, I, don't, I don't think we're there. I think we still have work. And I do want to recognize that there are some pharmacists that are competent, that have been in practice for a while, that maybe have not completed residency training, 
um, but, but still are competent clinical pharmacists. So some of this, I think, in, in the goal, we have to recognize that some people through life experiences and through um, maybe more traditional pathways from years ago may be at this level, but this is from here, from here forward or maybe even over the past couple years forward to have these expectations I think are appropriate, and I think we're ready to achieve this goal in the near future. Um, I do think that we as a profession, and I'll just say pharmacy globally as a profession, that we have to very purposefully align ourselves and sort of come together in a more harmonious manner to make sure that we have alignment. We need, more, we need better alignment with the ultimate clinical pharmacies competencies, which are outlined in our paper, but we have to sort of drag that back a bit and make sure that they're aligned with step one, which is really our professional degree program outcomes. And then we should align them with our residency competencies and, again, align them with board certification and with practitioner competencies. And I think if we that will even dovetail and ultimately end up with maintenance of competency. Medicine has done this sort of continuum of alignment, and I think it's important, recognizing that there's different degrees of what pharmacists will do, and all of that is great, and it preserves our profession, but we do have to have some sort of um, horizontal and vertical alignment of all these steps in developing a clinical pharmacist. And if there is some common backbone, I think we'll, we will ultimately be in a better situation to achieve this goal. It's not really clear yet how we're going to um, do everything, and the mission is not 100% complete, but I think we're closer than we ever have been in the past. Well, that's good. It'll be interesting to see and, and observe how the uh, this process evolves. And I agree with you, you know, completely that uh, we're better off now than we've been before. And and I think we have the goal in our sights for sure. So, as a final question, uh, I want to uh, alert our listeners to the May 2017 issue in pharmacotherapy that will have this paper that you've authored, uh, your committee and also one that is authored by the 2016 Clinical Practice Affairs Committee, and that is called a template for evaluating a clinical pharmacist. So I have two questions for you, really, uh, Joe. And the first is, how did you work uh, with the other committee uh, in, in developing your two papers as companions, really, and, and intended for companion use by a clinical pharmacy or a, an organization or an institution? Um, but how did you work uh, along closely? And then the second, and I can uh, reiterate that uh, later if you need it, but that is how will clinical pharmacists use these two documents in tandem? So the first question is how did we work together? Well, we did work collaboratively. So Dr. Mary Lee, her committee that she led, the Clinical Practice Affairs Committee, and our committee actually um, sort of in tandem, just like the papers are supposed to be, they developed their assessment of clinical pharmacist competencies based on the six that we outlined. We very much provided them um, pre-approval and after-approval by the board what the elements of competency were underneath each of these competency domains. So they very much crafted their assessment tool based on what was stated in our paper. And they also had input as to um, sort of whether we were on target or off target. So we, I think the way we worked together was collaboratively. And how should these two papers be used going forward? I think um, the first paper, which is the one that, that I was a part of, 
can be used to help define what the competencies are. So maybe that's a strategic way for organizations, whether they be educational or training organizations or employers, to actually see what should be expected um, from, from an employer standpoint or what should be included in training to prepare clinical pharmacists for the future. So I think it could be used the, the one that, I've, that we've authored, identifying the six competencies to help develop programs. But most importantly, the companion paper by the Clinical Practice Affairs can be used by those um, maybe in management, those um, in organizations to assess pharmacists on their individual strives and achievement of those competencies. Perhaps more, I guess, think of that in a feedback or verification perspective. Well, that's good. That's exactly how it was intended to, to be used. Uh, so uh, I want to summarize and conclude uh, our podcast for today, and I want to thank uh, a number of people in doing so. First of all, ACCP and Pharmacotherapy and the staff that they have, they've done a tremendous job in assisting with the development and the editing and the, the final publications. And uh, also Joe and, and Mary and your committees uh, for the hard work uh, all of your members have put in. Um, it really is a team effort, and uh, you could, it, it was very evident by the publications that everybody was on the same page. And I really want to thank you for spearheading that effort. And then also to the listeners of today's uh, podcast. So we hope that this has been informative for you. We hope that it's been inspiring and that we really hope that you uh, look up these two papers and integrate them into your own uh, clinical practice. So that's all we have for this podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to another ACCP podcast episode. Our theme music is called Rocket Power and is licensed by Creative Commons. Please take a moment to recommend this podcast and subscribe via iTunes so that you'll get notified of when our next episode will be released.